Uh, some pussy just ran out of the room, so sorry about that. And I have a very unprince of me. Uh, but let me just tell you something, guys. Uh, the girls in the Chartographers, we just ranked Prince in the 80s. I fucking can't believe we did it. It was hard. It was rough. Emotions came into play. It was one of the... Well, okay, so we had a brief discussion before we recorded the Happy Hour Minnesota, and the people having the discussion is me, Evan Soddy, Taryn O'Reilly, and John Harvey, our most frequent guest on the podcast. He is the uh, Morris Day of the podcast. Uh, and the other thing... <laughs> yeah, dude, you, you, like, I'll, you know, there's like a great array of musicians in the Prince repertoire, and you're really kind of like... You're picking some pretty overripe fruit there, man. <laughs> Sorry, Jerome. I'll stop doing that. Oh, um, couldn't even go with on, just, couldn't even go mean. with Andre. Andre. Simon. Okay. Oh, but you know my connection to Andre. Couldn't be Doctor Fink. I lo- okay. You know my connection to Andre Simon, right? You're a great Doctor Fink. Yeah, you're my Doctor Fink. Fink. Yeah. <laughs> you know my connection to Andre Simon. Um, you're, you're, oh, your liner notes. Yes, uh, so the very first gig I got writing liner notes, uh, someone, someone chatted me, uh, that was, you know, at, uh, Casablanca Hotshot Records, and I'm just like, hey, uh, you really like Prince, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, I really like Prince, that's something that happens. And I'm like, well, would you like to write the liner notes for his bassist, his childhood bassist friend? I'm like, that sounds fucking amazing. And so Andre Simone, he was Prince's childhood friend and bassist, and then decided to do a solo career, put out two pretty middling solo albums, and then a third one called AC, which had a song called The Dance Electric, which was written by Prince. And it's this dark, like, perfect Purple Rain era groove. It is this solid-ass song. And, uh, and basically, uh, it was kind of a minor hit. It was a very minor hit. It was written by Prince. How could it not be? Uh, but then, like, the guy, Andre Simon, he didn't want to actually speak with me for the actual thing. That album came out in the UK, uh, that re-released. It got some pretty decent reviews. A couple people praising my liner notes, which I was very humbling and very great. Uh, and then suddenly the other two previous albums are like, hey, we want to do those too. And Andre Simon's like, oh, gladly talk about these. I didn't do those because I didn't have the time at the time. But still, it was really nice. And then uh, several years later, uh, we premiered a song of his over at Pop matters and he wrote a very nice post uh praising me for being a very nice writer it was very good that was my connection to prince and here's the other thing okay listen we're getting into the happy hour minnesota in a second i swear to god but i saw prince live i saw prince live i want to say in 2013 2012 i want to say just a one he did three nights at the united center in chicago just for no god and i'm like oh, prince is in town that'd be kind of cool but then the third night we had a janelle monet as the opener i'm like well fuck i have to go to this uh and so i did and it was just this, he was on the giant you know stage that was shaped in the prince symbol the love symbol and, uh, and the, it felt really weird because, like, I heard there were technical difficulties the first couple nights. Like, he has a band, he has a crew, but I guess the print set list or whatever the fuck he does just, like, varies night for night because he just goes on it and people just have to follow. There was a whole separate section that had these uh, uh, singers there. But here's the thing that happened that was crazy. A, uh, he brought out Janelle Monet to sing Take Me With You, and she, as great as performance she is, it was pretty clear he asked her really soon before they went on stage, like, do you want to sing Take Me With You with me? She's like, yes, absolutely. And so she's on stage. Like her eyes are kind of darting around, like to make sure she's doing it all right. Like she still did pretty good, but it was just very like clearly he asked her before on stage. But then, I mean, he did a que- uh, question. He did a join repetition, which I was like, that's a that's actually a surprisingly deep cut, really, to do in front of like a big hits driven show. But goddamn, second to last song of the night, 
he did the Dance Electric by Andre Simone. And I'm like, no one in the audience knows what the song is, but I just had this really personal connection to him in that moment. I flipped the fuck out. It was a moment. That's all I had to say. That's my brief, very small connection to Prince. It's a small thing. <laughs> and Prince noticed and was like, yeah, this song was for you, you weird little nerdy dude over there. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, listen, we're in the Happy Hour Minnesota. We ranked it out. I really highly recommend you listen to uh, the uh, parts one and two. It's incredible. But, guys, we need to do the first thing we do at the start of every Happy Hour Minnesota. Guys, what is the worst Prince song? Annie Christian. In the Annie 80s. Christ. I, I gotta be honest, Danny Christian is right there for me. It is square in the hole. Um, I'm gonna go with Glam Slam. I really, I really, really hate Glam, glam Slam. Slam, thank you, ma'am. Please enjoy your day. Coffee. Oh my god. Please, I swear, like that's like the intro to like an 80s Folgers commercial. <laughs> I feel like we listed all of these before because I've also, like, remember America? Uh, like, oh man. I wonder you. Yeah, I wonder you. I wonder you isn't good. I don't know. It's not uh, as bad as. Life can be so nice. If I could. That little Parisian walk, little fucking oh, thing. Yeah, I know it doesn't no, take that's... place in Paris, but still. Also, favorite, uh, favorite, uh, <laughs> favorite Prince story. Oh, like it doesn't Oh my god, yeah. dude. Like oh don't ask me that question. That's a terrible question to ask. I just, hate you for just asking that start question. Start spouting them Like the head. there's there's an amazing one when people are sharing ones after his passing. Talib Kweli shared that he went to a club one evening with Prince and some other dudes and like this in his posse and like when they got to the club, uh like Prince was talking to the others, they ended up uh, kicking out all the men that weren't in his crew, and it was just Prince's crew and all the ladies, and Prince read scripture to them all evening. No. <laughs> I, but, <laughs> uh, Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Story from Chappelle Show is up there. Uh, in 2014, 15, I want to say. Uh, 2014, I think. Yeah. That was when the Third Eye Girl project uh, came out. And yet another girl-fronted <laughs> band that he did. And uh, he performed on Fallon, and he went to the guitarist of the Roots, and the guitarist is just like, "Hey, man, Prince, I'm so glad you're here. Would you, would you mind uh, signing my guitar? No, I'd like to borrow it for the show, though. Oh, okay, man, cool, sure, whatever. So he borrows the guitar. He does the first song, some third eye girl song, which is pretty good and actually pretty all right. Uh, goes ahead, performs it. <coughs> then does another song. He performs, you know, and this is late age, pure afro, crazy glasses. He does. He performs Bambi. Uh, he performs Bambi live on Fallon, and he just brings it, and it's blazing, and there's stops, it and it's just yeah. great. And at the end of the song, takes the guitar off, tosses it in the air, and walks off stage, and it smashes, and the neck shatters, uh, and doesn't and then, pay for it. And then it's it, and then it's just like droning guitar feedback, like through the, the, amp, the outro, yeah. Yeah. while Fallon is trying to be like. That was Prince! And it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and then it's, coincidentally, it's, it's, the only reason why he had that guitar, it was gifted to him for... I believe it was gifted to Captain Kirk by former Prince protege Jesse Johnson, <laughs> who also is, is famous for a dazzling currently a touring member for D'Angelo and the Vanguard. That's really awesome. Um, and so he had that guitar, which was he was going to use for a Prince tribute show <laughs> two nights later. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I mean, gee, I mean, there's there's so many stories. Let's talk about uh, Tevin Campbell, the young boy from Graffiti Bridge. So Round random. And round. 
okay, but here's the thing. Tevin Campbell, apparently he was the part of the bidding war initially. Like, he was, for some reason, people viewed him as a talent. I don't know why. I don't think he's talented. Uh, but anyway, I mean, Round and Round was he a... Has a voice. A, vo- a voice. Yeah, he has a voice. And he wound I up, mean, it's uh, a perfectly pleasant pop voice. Yeah, Round and Round Round right. was kind of a hit, and then he had other, like, minor R&B hits. But the Goofy then, Movie! The Goofy Movie! He sung Eye to Eye. Uh, I got myself a notion. Like, he went ahead full out on the Goofy Movie soundtrack. And actually, I think it was, uh, there was another Prince associate that was on there. Side note, Graffiti Bridge the Movie. Let's briefly talk about that. Uh, so many moments. Uh, it is a terrible fucking movie. It's so bad. It's, it's so bad. Especially like Purple I love Rain. It, by the way. Purple Rain is not a good movie, mm-hmm. but it is enjoyable. Especially the concert sequences. Pur- he brings it. Purple Rain to me <laughs> is like it is the act of killing of Prince's psyche. Are you guys familiar with the act of killing? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like here's like something they give these not to equate Prince with these warlords, but they give these sociopathic narcissists an outlet to create their own envision of their own history. And what, what you get is like is like a total like uh, narcissist like version story or telling of their own story. So yeah. like some of the elements that make it up I feel like are just so reve- so like weirdly revealing in some yeah. way. Yeah. Like if like, you like if you want to like over analyze Oh god the, yes. when, uh, the moment, like, I think it's the first scene. You you see Morris, and he's walking with Jerome. Yeah. And then some ex of Morris's shows up. Morris, and I Jerome, didn't know. Why did you show up last Jerome night? Why did you show up? throws her Jerome. in a dumpster. <laughs> dumpster. <laughs> picks her up and throws her in a dumpster. And I was like, oh, that's the kind of movie this is. Yeah. <laughs> like, so many talk random- about tone Oh, setting. my God. But that moment when she visits his uh, parents' basement, which is his room for the first time, and then he plays her the tape of the woman crying Oh, backwards. my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, like, like, I was just sitting there with my mouth open, like, just, what the fuck is happening? And then there are dolls everywhere, yeah. and I was like, why aren't you running? <laughs> Apollonia, why aren't you running oh, as God. fast yeah. as you possibly also, can? Also, the classic scene where he's like, before we can continue, you must purify yourselves in the waters of Lake, Lake Minnetonka. Minnetonka. And he's yeah. and she like she's like, okay, and then like pulls out her titties, and he's yeah. like, Prince just like raises a finger and is like, Wait. Wait. And then she's like, ah. Not, and then and then he starts driving off like on the motorcycle without her. Like, and he's like, that's not that's not he's like, that's not Lake Minnetonka. I know. Every, like everything that he did in that movie, I was like, what a fucking asshole. Okay, so by the way, Prince's humor is so fucking weird because no, he's his humor isn't just weird. His humor is Prince being an asshole. Well, let's there's, also not forget... Not, it's not really, like, humor anymore when he, it's just, like, malicious schadenfreude. Because he also wrote the script for, uh, let's not forget, Graffiti Bridge. Uh, and look, there's that scene in there where uh, Morris Day and Jerome have a money off. Where they, like, <laughs> take, they take out their wallets and see how much money they have on the table. And, and then like, they have, they have the same amount, it. but Jerome, like, pulls in no, one out no, of his Morris, back pocket. No, no, he pull, he takes off his shoe. And oh, right, it's his like shoe, in the He heel. has, like, an extra hundred or whatever that he tosses on the table. And Jerome's like, oh, man. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? This isn't <laughs> comedy. It's like... This is just like a gross display of like the or, worst parts of masculinity. That's or what these movies are. The uh, the scene in under 
under the cherry moon when they go to the restaurant with uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. You think you're cultured and shit? Uh, and then the, he writes down uh, writes down on a piece of paper the word Recasto. Uh, and then he's just like, say this word out loud. Recasto. <laughs> say it louder. Recasto, you're being childish. What is it? What is Recasto? I don't get it's it. This is a new language. And it's like, if I were to go and buy a Sam Cooke album, where would you go? A wreck of stove. Oh, like, stop it! What is this? This is a comedy! This is humor! It's just, yeah, it's it's all... And it becomes even worse in the 90s, but clearly... Oh my god, the Christy Alley interludes just on the Gold in general, Experience. Oh no, the in love In general, love. like, Chris just had too many yes-men. Like... Chris... Chris? Did I say Chris? I think you did. Prince. I, think you, I think you said Prince. Chris. Christopher Prince Nelson. I literally just called him Christ. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, no. did you see the other graffiti bridge? He kind of did that to himself. Right? Yeah. He's uh, he. F- anyway, he left with an angel. Gay panic. Um, oh my god. T- uh, oh yeah, and the gay panic in graffiti bridge. And even better than that, there's also the two scenes with Jill Jones. At one point, uh, she's walking down the street in graffiti bridge, and Prince looks at her. Hey, hey, Jill, what? What's this noise I hear about you joining Morris's band? She doesn't say a word. She just stares at him in the street, reaches under her dress, pulls her panties down, and walks away. What? And, there's, and, and she does that. And then later on, after the gay panic scene, she shows up at Morris's place again. And just like, and it's just like, it's like, when are you going to get a real job or whatever? Like, girl, if I swear to God. And then she puts on the boombox and then just starts rapping at him while the strobe light's going off in his apartment. It is so fucking weird. Oh, my God. I don't even remember that part. Yeah. Prince stories. They, got oh, they got, um, you want to you wanna talk Michael Jackson versus Prince? Yeah. Um, well, what's it like? I mean, I'm just gonna lay out my my UFO theory on like what where all that contention comes from. And briefly, before we do that, I do want to give a brief shout out. Uh, this is the fourth podcast that I've ever done. Clearly, the most successful, aren't it? But the first one I ever did was Scott and Evans' random ass podcast with my dear friend Scott McLean. He loved Michael Jackson. I love Prince. One of our favorite episodes we did was a Michael Jackson v. Prince uh, standoff. So before anything else, let me just give a quick shout out, Scott McLean. I'm thinking of you, buddy. So That's the uh, so like <laughs> I, I so like um. You... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, did you hear they were supposed to collaborate on a song? So yeah, they were supposed to collaborate on Bad, uh-huh. and even though like uh, Prince declined, he, Michael still asked him to be in the video, and Prince declined once again because the Wesley Snipe character, Wesley Snipes character, was originally supposed to be Prince, and there's a story where Prince is like was like, uh, the reason why I didn't do it is because, you know, the opening line is, your butt is mine, and he's like, wait, because, like, who's saying that to who? Because you're not saying that to me, and I'm certainly not saying that back to you. Yeah. And on top, and uh, also, like, you know that, vi- you've seen that, like, that video where it's, like, James Brown's performing on stage, and then, like, he invites up Michael Jackson, who's, like, performs for, like, have you guys seen this? I, 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 yeah, and he yeah, performs, yeah. For, he, like, does, like, a dance for, like, 15 seconds, and everybody's like, oh, fuck yeah, and then, like, he whispers in the like Prince's ear or um, James Brown's ear and he's like he calls out Prince so then Prince goes in there and like and then like tries to up show 
Uh, he uses it as an opportunity, like it was Quincy Jones revealed, as an opportunity to try and compete with Michael Jackson on a stage that wasn't his, and went over the top and fucked up his dance moves, and then was given a guitar that wasn't properly plugged, that was like all fucked up, and then just ends up making a fool of himself. And so after the show, this is after the show, he tried running over Michael and Latoya in his van. <laughs> that. Sounds like conjecture and insanity. That's according to Quincy Jones. Oh, also, the same thing with Bad. So when uh, he wanted he, he wanted him to record, Prince, Michael wanted Prince to record on the album, so he sent Prince an early take of Bad, and he's like, yeah, I'd love to get you on it. And Prince is all like, what the fuck is this? Are you, are you saying you bad? You ain't bad. Michael Jackson isn't bad. And so he goes home and he records his own version of what he thinks bad should sound like and then sends it back to Michael with a letter saying this is what bad should sound like. That's amazing. That's a lot more relatable <laughs> than the story I heard of him just like hearing it and just being like, this song's fine by itself. You don't need me. Because that doesn't sound like the... The Prince never yeah, was really that humble. Exactly. That's not the Prince. Uh, exactly. And let's not forget, in 2014, he signed a deal with Warner Brothers like, I'm going to have my Masters back, and part of it is going to be a double deluxe release edition of uh, the bonus deluxe of Purple Rain. You've been wanting it for so long. That never fucking happened at all. He just wanted to get his Masters back. He, he, was, he was one of the biggest assholes in all of history, but he also never really could... I mean, not like the biggest asshole, but like... He was there. All the pretty, you know, talking about sad stories though. I'm gonna, the only sad story I'm gonna tell. Uh, Taryn asked me at one point, like, does Prince have any kids? And I'm like, kind of, because all right. So this is after his deal with Warner Brothers ends, and he, you know, starts going on TV. Like he writes "slave" on his forehead. He gets out of his contract, and the first thing he's gonna do, I'm gonna fucking show you guys all, and records "Emancipation," a three-disc album of new material. Uh, and he goes ahead and does it, and it comes out, and uh, at the time, Nate Garcia, Mathieu, whatever her name is, uh, is his protege at the time. He always has a female protege, as we know. Uh, and she goes, uh, and uh, you know, the, he records an album for her called Child of the Sun. A lot of people consider it the worst album that he ever did. Uh, but uh, during On Emancipation, during one of the songs, you actually hear a heartbeat, and that's actually the uh, sound of he hooked a microphone up and recorded the baby's heartbeat in her stomach. And the weird thing is that, like, then he like talks about it. he went on like Oprah or something, talking about his forthcoming child and all these other things like that. And then uh, a couple weeks later, or like a couple months later, he shows up on a show and asks him about his kid. He says. Yeah, no, he's uh, doing okay. But what happened is that he was born with a severe birth defect. Uh, and so, like, he lived, like, in an oxygen tank for, like, six days and then passed away. Uh, and he appeared on that talk show saying his kid was okay, like, two days after that. Uh, and seemed kind of unfazed by it. And that's why he never brought it up again. And that's when people found out after the fact that the child died. But it's also just, like, that's really, really fucking weird to be on a talk show and being like that. But at the same time, I can't even imagine what the loss of a child is like. So you show up on a talk show and, like, you're not going to talk about this personal tragedy right here. Yeah, no, everything's fine. Like, I can kind of... Right, just, like, gloss over it. Right, exactly. Like, that was a sad thing. And that's why, of course, now the Prince Vault, the Prince Estate, is under enough contention. And there's... Six sisters and people claiming to be cousins. I read that over 700 people have filed suits claiming to be a half-sibling of Prince. Yeah. And that they are all getting, like, DNA, yeah. DNA tested. It's pretty clear who's going to be cut out of that. But the, you know, here's <laughs> the other thing I'm going to say, though, um, is that... Uh, I think part of the reason why we all got so emotional and so nervous going into this podcast is, aside from the Beatles, but that's its own thing, this is the first artist we've covered that has passed away. 
And uh, it was so recent. Too. It was so recent too. In fact, I don't even think I've properly mourned, uh, which is kind of sad. But here's the funny thing, though. Uh, two days, uh, he passed away on April 21st, and I believe it was two days later. That's my birthday. Hey, there's that. Prince which, died on my birthday. That really sucks. But and then two terrible. days later, my best friend Adam had his wedding. And I had, and I showed up there and I DJed that wedding too. But like, as I'm like, when I find out the news, people are just like, "There's a body at Paisley Park." I'm like, "It could be anyone. No one knows anything. It could be anyone." Uh, and then I find out, and I get texts all day from people just being like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" Because I introduced so many people to Prince. Even the guy who was getting married, he texted me like, "Are you okay? Can I get you anything? What do you need?" Like he was just really, really worried. Uh, but you were just briefly, I heard you while we were uh, between uh, episodes here, you were talking about when I got you into Prince, too. Yeah. Like, that journey. Walk me through that. Cause so, like, yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time really hating a lot of 80s music. Yeah, I think, Taron, too, yeah. I think, I still think a lot of it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, like, there's, it's... Give it, dance if you want to. It still blows... Fuck you, that's an amazing song. From a musical standpoint, it still blows my mind that the 80s happened. <laughs> Like the '90s makes sense, like you know, like you get no. I mean, like no, grunge. The '90s makes sense. Like you, even pop '90s makes sense. Yeah, like it's like oh, you like fuck. You go well. We've been missing rock, so we go grunge, and now hip hop's out. Like you got this new thing that emerged from the '80s, and it's now hip hop. Whereas, like, why did we go back? Why did the '80s and did we go back to the '50s? Because music is always... Yeah, no, 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 I know, but like... Taco, Taco, when he did Putting on the Ritz, but the 80 synth pop version. Ugh, that was awful. No, no so like... The reason... Because... Because I feel like, while yes, there were synths in the 70s, you know, the age of computerization, there was just so much more you could do with them. The quality wasn't great yet, but the, the variety of what you could do with the synthesizer... Was suddenly so much more well, and, and you, pre-programmed drums and just to have, have that capability, and you didn't have to be rich to own it, which is exactly. the other big thing. Is that like you know, like you had to you had to be really you had to be wealthy to own a Mellotron in the seventies. Yeah, absolutely. You, they uh, no, so like yeah, you you gave me Purple Rain. I was thought because con- I, I can't remember anything. Was there a contest of like, dude, you got to hear this or something, or was it just like? Here's another thing you have to hear. I can't remember. It was like, oh. Because I introduced a lot of people to Prince, so it's very upset. You started off with that, and then you went with Sign of the Times, which I enjoy. Which, again, I wasn't totally sure. I felt because of, like, how weird that album is at first. Like, yeah. Then I looked the first side, I was like, you know, it's like, okay. Like, it's, it's like, okay. But, man, fucking Slow Love is, like, this brilliant thing. And then it kind of, like, all of a sudden, like, Ballad of Dorothy Parker was clicking. And then it was, like, one by one. And then, like, all this other stuff went on. And then I listened to the second half. And then I'm, like, literally my mind just got more blow. Like, my mind, with that second half, I feel like every song just gets better and better till the end. Like, I'm just like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa! And so then, like, I went back to Purple Rain, and then, like, once everything made sense in, yeah. in the second half of Sign of the Times, like, I once I get what it's all about, then all of a sudden Purple Rain is like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, it was, it well, was just, like, it missing, like, this extreme context that's, that's going that's on. That's exactly... I, I Evan gave me Purple Rain probably, like, three years ago, and I listened to it and was like, yeah, this is, yeah. This is an album. That's fun. You know? 
Um, and but then, you're also saying that you it was hard for you too because you grew up in a house that really despised the 80s. right, and I, and that's come up before. Um, and I've always I've, each time we've done an episode, Madonna, Janet, I've been like pleasantly surprised at how much I'm enjoying the music from that era. Um, but it's also like with familiarity comes love, and so I think part of what really made Purple Rain and, like, especially Sign of the Times click for me this week was having that context of what he was doing leading up to it. Um, and it was also... I didn't even place the Stevie Wonder reference until randomly last week I threw on Songs in the Key of Life and there were a couple moments on there when I was like, oh my god, this is Prince. Like, mm-hmm. to a T. That, like, fusion of... Funk and with yeah. the jazz chords and the really like Prince will just yeah. throw in like a really weird note sometimes, that, especially later in his career, and, and it, then, it uh, always works. Then Evan gave me parade and I was very nervous. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure if this relationship's gonna turn out. It's a strange relationship. And then really. he gave me and then he gave me dirty mind and it was like, okay, man, like I'm in it. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I, I by the end like. I'm not even sure, like, Dirty Mind may be my favorite. I don't even know. Right! In terms of, like, how obsessed I am, because, like, I can just, like, for me, like, I can flip it on at any time, and I don't have to worry about what comes up next. Yeah. That, like, is, yeah. Yeah. that is true about Dirty Mind. Yeah. And, like, for, and weirdly for me, that's with me with a self-titled, like, I'm really glad with our ranking right there, and I know the back half of self-titled there, but that opening run, especially, like, oh, there's so I'm many moments on self-titled. I don't remember which song it is on self-titled. It's either with you or Steve still waiting that I just like the shitty songs yeah. hate it yeah no legit and so that's I mean I can't I, self-titled is not one that I can just throw on yeah. there's definitely like there the the opening salvo that first those first mm-hmm. four tracks like we said are great but then after that it really they, can we talk about uh, that time that he oh, wrote I, a song I, I, for Susanna Huffs where he wanted to bang her so he wrote Manic Monday for the Bangles Dude, man, I'd write like 20 million songs for Susanna Hoff, man. Dude. Yeah, you were saying. No, yeah, so about 20 minutes ago about the Prince vs. Michael Jackson thing. Oh my god. No, I just to cap it off, I feel like the reason, like the animosity comes down to, I feel like, again, total conjecture, that Michael Jackson represented, Prince could have it all. Except for being like, you know, he could do it. It was like the idea that he couldn't have it all. You know what I mean? Like, he's this groundbreaking guy. He's the most talented person. He's one of the most talented persons of the entire century. He's the, uh, like, he's like he's releasing an album every year. And they're like, call hits. Like, he writes Purple Rain. And when all of a sudden it's like, even though it's like, and like, on top of that, he's like controversial. He's innovative. He's like all these things. But no matter what, Michael Jack, the people still love MJ. MJ's still the more popular one, even though he only released two albums in the 80s. It's like, who was, like, the families and, like, most, like, standard America is, like, about MJ. And, like, Mike, and, like, Prince is kind of weird. And even though, like, Prince has this acclaim, it's this idea that even though he's probably, like, more talented, 
Let's say better songwriter, more talented of a person, and pretty close to there. It's like you can't have it all. Like you can't be like that challenging and still be as popular as MJ. Well, Prince did an amazing thing too because after Emancipation, and then he did the Internet Only album Crystal Ball, a four disc set of other songs. Like he just started going off on the rails. He did his 1999 remix. He did News, his jazzy instrumental album. He did the fucking Rainbow Children in 2001, which was his fucking Jehovah's Witnesses album like he was just getting so far off the map and then in 2003 he's like i want to be famous again and then he shows up at the grammys and he's performing with beyonce uh you know like doing like crazy in love and then let's go crazy oh, mashup yeah. kind of thing and, and then he then he just really then he releases musicology and then he jams with mr lenny kravitz yeah oh, he, <laughs> lenny kravitz when he started out he like dressed in purple and tried to be prince and he also produces all his own albums and plays all the instruments himself because he just idolizes Prince that much. But like in, like in 2003, 2004, Prince is like, I want to be famous again. And then he just was. And then he put out 3121 and had a number one album again. It's just like, he which, just decided. Which right people the... argue that like 3121 is like one of the top like post 90s releases. No, it's really? Re- and it's, it's fine. And Black Sweat, I still dig to this day, which is like after Housequake and everything, like I, the Neptunes kind of took over sound. He's like, let me show you how it's done. Like that kind of thing. I love that song. Again, uh, I'm not sure if it was. I mean, if I'm TML comes up, on or whatever. There's one. One, I think I'm not sure if it's musicology or if it's like rainbow musicology. I, 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 what's up? I don't love musicology. Like it's fine. No, I'm trying to remember. There's one that was I feel like was the response to D'Angelo. Also, you want to break down everybody else that's just tried it between Prince, D'Angelo, Lenny Kravitz. Well, he gets he gets really back. angry. Oh my god! Oh my god! One of my favorite stories. There's that one song, Prince Fans United. Because remember, at one point, Prince. He once hired this thing called, like, the Web Sheriff or whatever. Like, anytime someone posts a picture of him or a video of him or whatever, they send a takedown notice, they send a copyright notice, whatever they need yeah, to do. That was impossible to find anything, anything. Exactly. So Prince.org is, like, someone hand-drew his symbol and they, like, put, like, you know, uh, MS Paint shit over it. Like, it's, like, the best they could do because, like, you know, Prince doesn't want to have Prince images out there that aren't authorized. Uh, and so then at one point, Prince fans are getting, like, upset, and about this, they like, there's a suit or whatever, and Prince gets really upset, so he recorded this response to Prince fans, which was this other, like, subset or whatever, I don't fucking know these subgroups, uh, and this one blazing song, and I shared it with you, where he's just, like, he got really upset, and put up this blazing, angry rock number. Just does this, like, Hendrick-ass protest song called, like, C&D, he released three of them, they're essentially... They're calling out these fans. It's like these three diss tracks and these aggressive rock forms. And the fans were like, holy shit, where's this Prince band? Yeah, and and (laughs) these amazing rock songs that he puts out. Oh my god. To be Prince.org, I think it's it's really fun. I think it's like either on Unencyclopedia or Encyclopedia Dramatica. It's like Prince.org, where Prince fans go to talk shit about Prince and (laughs) Prince-related affiliates. It's a great great resource. Like, it's really... I'm in my head that... Again, this is a terrible comparison. Don't judge me, but it works. This it's that place is like is like that ocean on Naboo and the Phantom Menace where it's just like all these fish are fucking trying to eat each other and there's like one people trying to survive in there. Like fucking like it's like it's these people it's these angry ass prince fans who are like just trying to eat each other and talk shit about everything. And it's just always, like, another bigger Prince fan is, like, trying to take down another Prince fan. When you listen to the Chartographers, are you expecting Prince? I love that you went to Naboo. (laughs) 
Are you expecting Prince to uh, fucking be there? Oh my god. Okay. Another Prince story. Uh, two more Prince stories that I have. First off, it's not even a story. There's a B-side he has uh, called Ha 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 He 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 about a dog and a cat fucking. And uh, the, the sample... Fun fact. Like, it's not a good song. It's not a good song, but the dog sample, I'm like, boom, boom, arf, arf, arf. Arf! And there's a beat to it. It's amazing. There's another song on it. I want to say the Love <laughs> Album that has a dog sample. And that always makes me think of there's a Tim Book 3 song called <laughs> called, sampling, called Sampling the Dog. Oh my and it's God. like, Arr! 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 And it's not about Tim Book Clearly an influence <laughs> on Baja, man. Oh my God. There's that, Dan- <laughs> there's that Daniel Kibblesmith video when he just takes the scene from Garden State when uh, Natalie Portman puts the <laughs> headphones on him and he just replaces the shins with the jingle dogs. Arf! 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 Yeah. Arf! Arf! <laughs> That's this song will really change your life. Yeah. Uh, the other one, though, there's another B-side called Shockadelica. Uh, you've probably seen it. Oh, yeah. Shockadelica. You want to know why he put out that song? Tell the story. It's so fucking bitter. Well, so, uh, I forget. Who was it? It was one of his bandmates at the time. One I want to say MPG. I could I, be wrong. It was, I think it was a like a former member of the time. Yeah. Was putting out an album called Shockadelica. Or and it, Prince, it was, I think it was like Screamadelica. It was like no, it was it was, like, oh, okay. it was called Shockadelica. And Prince heard the album and did the same thing. He was like, "This isn't what Shockadelica should sound like." So he recorded a song called Shockadelica and was like, "This is what this this should sound like." And like Rush released it as the B side for some single, so it would come out before His this guy's is. album, and it would sound like he was copying Prince. And it worked. And it totally it worked. It absolutely worked because he's a fucking asshole is what he is. It's amazing. Uh, side note, uh, real quick, uh, best Prince cover. Because it's hard to cover Prince. He but also hates so it when you do it. He really does. Except for the Foo Fighters when they covered Darling Nikki and then he decided to go ahead and uh, cover them during the Super Bowl. Uh, when he did Best of You, randomly, I'm like, what the I fuck like kind of payback is say, that? You say it's difficult to cover Prince, except that, like, I can think of, I, it's probably not literally a dozen, but, like, so many people have had hits oh with God. Prince album tracks. Yeah, uh, like, Shaka Khan, of course, we mentioned that in the main cast. Well, uh, and, uh, Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor, that wasn't even a Prince song, but he wrote it, who did he yeah. write it for? I want to say it was for, like, Morris oh, Day or I something. Got a, I got another good good Prince story. Uh, right. So, like, it was around, uh, around when, uh... from the family! When D- oh, yeah! So when, uh, when D'Angelo was kind of breaking out with voodoo, and yeah. so, uh... It's so like you know, Questlove and D'Angelo initially bonded over uh, bonded Prince. over Pr- loving Prince. Like uh, they were doing a root show, and like basically, like it was supposed to be this big critics event, and like uh, like all these like labels and A and R people were playing. But like he was told that D'Angelo was in the crowd, and so he like almost like in, uh, Quest like risked like tanking like this like critic set or like this like uh, like economic set. To try and like make an att- like a connection with D and randomly stops it to do this Prince cover in there and like people are wondering what it is because it's not a root song and then D'Angelo just stands up in the back on the balcony he's like fuck yeah and that's like kind of their thing that's their starting point so then years later D like uh, voodoo, uh, voodoo successful and uh, they're invited to play with Prince and I think D'Angelo had mentioned in some interview about how he's like. Man, I wish fucking Prince would like fucking drop this like 
that like love symbol guitar shit, all this, whatever these crazy modern synthesizers, bust out the old Telecaster Telecaster, and just fucking like is like a buck is down to like this basic funk level or whatever he whatever he just worded as, and so Prince like got like uh, got wind of that, and so he invited them. To, uh, to play the show at Paisley Park. And he's like, yeah, we're just going to do a jam, man. You guys can hop on there. And then he just continued to do only songs that were brand new or he didn't know to fuck them up so they looked like shit when they were playing in comparison to him. Because he was basically, like, in a weird... In, like, this very light way of saying they're like Prince. He's like, you ain't like me. And just, like, makes them look like shit in public. That sounds about... That sounds about Prince. That's, yeah, that's very Princely. Oh, my God. I mean, there, there's so many fucking print stories. There was, uh, the, of course, the time that he presented the Grammy for Song of the Year and gave it to Gautier, uh, for somebody that I used <laughs> bet, to know. Bet, still best, like, uh, best, like, uh, presenting ever. <laughs> Walks on stage. No, no, he goes like, I love this song. <laughs> and then, yeah. then Go- Gautier flips the fuck out when he goes on stage. He's like, oh my god, Prince just handed me a Grammy. Like, he just blows his, it blows his guy. And then mind. Prince is just like... Ooh. There is like, uh, one of my favorite stories, though. Uh, and it's actually, you can find it on YouTube. Because uh, once Janelle Monae started coming up, he was like, oh yeah, this girl gets it. Uh, and, of course, he wound up showing up on her album, which he doesn't do a lot. He did it for Ode No Doubt once, and he did it on, you know, later on. But, uh, man, son, he goes ahead, uh, and he once sent her a singing telegram. Uh, and as this guy shows up at her dressing room with flowers in this tuxedo, and he starts singing the lyrics to Kiss, except they were rewritten by Prince to be about Janelle Monet. You don't have to be beautiful. Like, you know, it's something about, you know, Janamone. Uh, and it's just like this weird kind of thing. And she's just like, what? What is this? And then there's this handwritten note of lyrics from Prince, like trying to revamping it like this own thing. Like he just liked her a lot. There's the occasional artist that he just latched onto and just went That's with I'm, I'm Kind of adorable. Yeah. I was surprised that he was into Gold Digger by Kanye West. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> really? asked him what he was like what he liked. He's like he's like I mean, he really, really enjoyed he really loves Kendrick Lamar, loved that to pimp a butterfly album. Everyone did, but David Bowie was listening to that before. And he died. so they yeah. uh and then he said uh, and then like randomly, like they were asking him what he listens to and he, he brought up Kendrick and then out of the blue he's like, I really love I really love what Kanye did with Ray Charles is with Ray Charles and Gold Digger. Let's also not forget when he appeared on American Bandstand and just to be funny and fucking with people, like he just refused to answer any questions. So Dick Clark oh, yeah. was there. He he answered them non-verbally. Yeah, like just like so. Uh, how many years have you been playing music? Holds up his hands. You know, like that's it. Like that's all he does for the entire interview. And Dick Clark is like saying he later said that was the hardest interview he ever had to do because they're not giving him any goddamn answers, which was amazing. There's also that one time that he invited out, he invited Questlove and Eddie Murphy to go roller skating on Valentine's Day at 2 a.m. <laughs> and so he would, uh, and so yeah, like then they got there and they're wondering what was going on. And of course, Prince shows up with the case with these special purple light up, design, like specifically designed with. And like, and like was like, yeah. And then none of us are with those girls that we went with there anymore. <laughs> And then there's the Kevin Smith story on An Evening with Kevin Smith, uh, when I guess, like, Prince, like, I guess he approached Prince because he wanted to use uh, a song in the movie Mallrats, and Prince is like, no, but I'm going to go ahead and give you Jungle Love by more stay in the yeah. time. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Smith wanted, uh, 
either the beautiful ones or the most beautiful girl in the world. Something like that, yeah. I think the beautiful girl in the world, because that would have probably been popular popular at the time. And yeah. then he shot, shoots that documentary where he's hardly ever there, and it's just about like Prince talking about God and stuff. Well, he talks about, like, we know it'd be great if in a movie you just went ahead and whatever reason the scene is happening, and then you just flash the words across the screen, across the screen Jesus rules. Wouldn't that be daring? Wouldn't that be bold? And Carol Smith's like, well, yeah, that 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 would be bold. You're right. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Why do you have to do all your swearing in your movies? Kind of a thing I do. It's just I'm not not changing it. Just kind of kind of swear. And that was the time he was at Paisley Park too, and he found out that there that's when all the music videos are in the vault and all these concert films that no one has ever seen. Oh, for, so it's on record. So Prince. One whatever right, they're whatever they're, whatever they're valuing, they I think they can only undervalue what's in the vault because Prince. They're trying record, to sell it for thirty five million at the time of the state. They recorded, they he so since nineteen ninety nine once he finally was making lots of money, mm-hmm. he recorded on video and audio every show that he every ever did every night, and so he would do the show. And then he would go shower. He yeah. would eat, and they had a special TV that they a portable TV that on the bus that he would watch the entire show he just did. And then he would go out and find an after show to perform. And, and he then could he, walk in any club and, then and do he would, any after show. And then yeah. he would, uh, and then he would run, or then he would, uh, then he would re-listen to the one the tape from the session. I think there's an amazing quote from uh, Eric Leeds. Who's the other? No, but who's the one you interviewed? Uh, no, no, his manager, Alan something. Alan Leeds? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. fuck it. No, 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 they're yeah. It's his brother. It's yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was blanking on it anyway. You need to edit this. <laughs> so, um, this whole thing's gonna get it. So uh, quote. yeah. So anyway, so Alan Leeds. There, so there's this amazing Alan Leeds quote where uh, if you knew how much effort it took to be prince, you'd want to be a banker. And that it was. I believe that. And so uh, I mean, like, I, there's, like, I, I, the, the guy is like. He's like almost perfect. I feel like one reason why he's kind of like sometimes underplayed or like not as high up there when people talk about the greatest guitar players is that he's almost like he's usually like so perfect in form that it's almost like I very rarely would ever expect Prince to fuck up. You know what I mean? Which kind of removes like a certain element of like danger. Whereas like if you're listening to Jimmy Page, and it's just like trying to fucking machine gun out notes before you land on the Zeppelin note, and yeah. so you're just like landing out that. Like, but like Jimmy Page is like a really sloppy guy. Some people, well, like people will claim to be like, oh, he's the be all end all, but like whereas like, but like you know, it sounds like he could totally fall apart at any moment. Yeah. With Prince, I'm like, it's like the most well trained, so effortless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about, you know, here's the thing, by the way, so I know, we talk about all the Prince side projects he did, Vanity of Sex and Apollonia of Sex and Morris Day in the Time and The Family and Pandemonium and all these other fucking things. Maserati. You did, did Carmen Electra. Sheila E. It doesn't matter. Anyway, but like, you go into Maybe all staples. these things, and the thing I want to talk about, worst Prince song ever, I don't even know if he wrote it explicitly, but it appears on a Morris Day in the Time album called Pandemonium. There's the song he did, and it's especially topical when we record this podcast in 2016, but... Donald Trump black version. Yeah. Is a song that he, and literally the lyrics Donald Trump black version is a lyric that happens and it is Yeah. And it's <laughs> I just <laughs> it it came on and I was gonna I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Oh, there and is then, no benefit. And then I heard the words Donald Trump and I was just like, no, 
Donald Trump. I'm black skipping. Version. I'm skipping this right Donald now. Donald Trump, right now. black virgin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing. He tries to grab by the pussy. Prince just owns that pussy so hard. Prince grabbed life, life by the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> he cried. Uh, the other thing too is that like when he died it was so surreal like i and to many degrees like it just doesn't feel like he's gone like well, i know he is but it well, doesn't also yeah. just our relationship with him because he's such a mythical being like right. you want to talk a guy that most of the information you know is secondhand oh, or presented 100%. in a certain way yeah. that it's like it's like that's why it's up with bowie why it doesn't feel like he's actually dead because it's almost like more of a myth it's like a legend it's this yeah. guy like because of how much because of how much we actually know of that person is only, like, the artistic ends of things and a certain part of expression and, like, not knowing, like... Especially considering that almost even the people that work with Prince say that they hardly know him, mm-hmm. that even the fans only know him as this mythical being. Yeah. And listen, although he said he hated it, I'm still gonna go back on my answer. I still think one of the best covers he ever did... Uh, was ever done was Alicia Keys doing uh, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. Because uh, that song, you want to talk about the greatest Prince songs of all time, that B-side, that solo piano of him, like, just hitting the floor for the drum beat, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, is a yeah. fucking jazzy masterpiece. I want to say that I'm surprised that he got away, I'm surprised how, how much he got away with basically making Manic Monday basically be 1999 part two. It's like, they're pretty, especially like the, before, other than the choruses, like the verses are like almost like the same exact melody for how they go like, like uh, remember when I wrote this? Excuse me if I go too fast. And then yeah. it's like a, just another Manic Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. All right. Well, this happy hour mini soda is uh forty. We knew it was gonna long. be bonus. It's our season finale. I'm honestly for our season finale. I'm so glad we did Prince. Like Me that too. just feels fitting, incredible. And I'm really glad John Harvey was here too. Yeah, yeah it's Harvey. good. It's always good to be here. I know exactly. Always. And trust me, we got other episodes planned for season two. You're definitely in part of the plans. We've talked about this beforehand. Yeah. We don't want to let our stupid fans know what it is. Yeah. Uh, but we got some bands lined up. It's gonna be really exciting. Yeah. I know. I'm just wondering when I'll be back for that other guy that I bring up every single podcast I've ever been on. I know, you're going to be part of that band that yeah. uh, we keep talking about. That uh, Another band. One of the guys oh, by the way, just so we're on record, uh, I'm not sure if you know, Evan, your interview with Alan Leeds and everybody else is one of the most widely cited things I've ever seen. Really? Like, on, like when I was like going on like the Prince.org, like, you, like that... There's so much information in that those five pages that like every like I'll look up I'll be looking up a question I'll Google something and I'll occasionally just throw in Prince.org because like you'll like have a bunch of like nut jobs like yeah, yeah. enough information like there's a lot of like there's a lot of like even if it's just rumors there's like, a lot of stuff that's like part of the whole stuff and that thing is linked so many times I'm pretty sure it's on like a Wikipedia page too somewhere. Oh, he's definitely he's on yeah, like exactly. so it's weird when I like look up the citations and or like even not even the citations it just says critical reception and it says right Evan Sa- right like a quote from his review and it'll be like Evan Saudi from Pop Matters didn't agree. It's he the said, weirdest fucking thing and because trust me I do not have a Wikipedia account I don't right, people just not update that, that shit. shit right exactly which is the weirdest thing but like. That's that's incredible and being connected to it's a very small thing but it means a lot. Uh, that's crazy though. Ali, he was very very nice. He had to, he insisted I do a phone interview 
Uh, it was uh, Dr. Fink that I did the email interview, mm-hmm. which totally still worked. It was totally good. But they were just, they were totally willing to do it. They were totally willing to talk. But, but the thing that pissed me off is that I I did that uh, 25th anniversary of Purple Rain feature. I did everything in it. I did a radio appearance on WNYC. I did, like, all this other shit, like, to make it happen. Uh, other writers contributed and other things like that. But then, the, the like, the week or so after it comes out, fucking Spin Magazine comes out with their 25th anniversary thing. And apparently, though, they actually reached out to Prince himself and they were like we want you to talk about Purple Rain because Prince isn't really big on the past he's always looking towards mm-hmm. the future mm-hmm. it's he's like Quentin Tarantino whose favorite film is this last film that he made mm-hmm. like I'm sure Prince's favorite album is the last album that he yeah, made always. Uh, and so like and apparently they went to him they apparently had like a big like offer to him which I think is like they literally had a million dollars in a briefcase that were like Prince can you do an interview with us where we talk about oh, all I imagine, stuff Purple Rain I imagine it's just a million the value for that alone, yeah. like that's like a lifetime. That's like something that people will be clicking on for years. And like your interview said, on Pop. No, exactly. Well, we'll see about that. But in the meantime, though, Prince, I know you're in the uh, the afterlife, but uh, I will say <laughs> uh, thank you for everything. It's it's been an honor knowing you. It's been an honor ranking this all the stuff. I'm gonna get really emotional if I keep talking about this. But I mean, music like, just changed lives. I'm gonna talk about like all these people. Like at least if I've been on like. Like I've been a guest on for this podcast for it's like he's a guy I feel like not even though I've listened to such an incredible amount of music but even then it's such a small amount where you have an artist that I feel like you take that you that somebody's music actually then affects your own personality and your individuality yeah. and that there's a guy <laughs> yeah. that like that like it's like weird like after getting into Prince like how less insecure about certain like certain like aspects or certain like maybe more feminine aspects i'm like i don't care like if prince can be like if prince can be that and still be the sexiest motherfucker on the planet and the coolest motherfucker on the planet like you it's all about making you being the coolest motherfucker on the planet and like there's not many actual artists or anything where i'm like i want to adopt whatever this is into my own personality and my own yeah. life which is I imagine is the case for anybody that ever grew up listening to his music yeah and listen I don't you know I'm a guy I don't believe in any afterlife or anything else like that but if there is anything out there anything that's beyond this world you know before you call up that Dr. Beverly Hills all I can say is that if there is something there Prince I hope you take me with you that's all I can say oh my god uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. This is the longest mini-sode we've ever done, but goddammit, is it worth it? It's Prince, goddammit. Of course we're going to talk about it. Uh, thank you, John Harvey, for being here. Always glad to be here. Taryn, as always. As always. It's wonderful. Fucking, God, it's incredible. Season one of The Photographers. that's a wrap. Thank you guys so much for listening, really. Uh, like us on the Facebook, rate us on the iTunes, and keep us in mind, we're going to see you on the next Manic Monday. Uh, listen to our season one wrap-up in the meantime. See you in season two. Have a great one, guys. Goodbye. No, but who's the one you interviewed? Sorry, Evan just left the room. He's trying to be subtle about. There's. Why a... didn't we pause the podcast? Okay, well, Evan can edit this part out. He's an editor. <laughs>